Hey, up! Welcome to the One Up podcast. This month we are talking about Final Fantasy XIV Online. I'm your host, I'm Bash, and I am joined by Andy. What up, fuckers? Becky. Hello. And Jep. Hello. I was half expecting one of you to do a pretending to be eating pizza or something joke there. Oh, if that would have been pizza, really good. I would be eating it, yeah. That would have been good. <laughs> well, all three of you just coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Why didn't we think of that, guys? Oh, that we're, not that sl- we're not that sli- slick. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll fix it in post. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get pizza and we'll just, three of us will record us eating it and I'll put it in. No one will know. <laughs> I will do that if you ask. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm not asking for that. What I am going to ask is, uh, before we get into talking about Final Fantasy XIV online, the massively multiplayer online video game. Um, <laughs> is it online? It's online, Chip. Oh, it's online. It online. Did you know that? That's right now. Wrong. Uh, it's only online. I'm learning already, Sasha. <laughs> I'm going to cut to what we've been playing this month. Becky, what have you been playing? I say this month. Uh, we've actually not recorded in about two months. We took something of a mini break. Or some of us did. I certainly did. What have you been playing? So I was going to talk about the Sims 4 Cottage expansion pack because it's amazing. Um, and now I have a farm and uh, and a cow and chickens and also <laughs> bunnies. But also I have been playing Hades obsessively for the past two weeks. So it would be remiss of me to not mention that. I'm getting better, slowly, but I love it. It's so good. I like how you skipped over the fact that you have a depressed cow there. I, it's <laughs> which like, did not open the door for Chip to make his excellent counselling pun. Yeah, I know. I, I did skip over that because it's cyclically depressed. It turns out it just gets sad like every day and you just have to like look after it. So it's not actually depressed. It's just one of the tasks you have to do is to be nice to the cow for a bit and make it happy. It sounds so weird. <laughs> just like all of us, really. <laughs> yeah, just be nice to us and make us happy. By listening to our podcast. Hey. hey. Nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a trailer out of that. <laughs> uh, Chip, what have you been playing? Uh, well, I have been playing uh, Control. Thank God for that. It's not fucking Assassin's Creed again. Yeah, God, it has been a while, hasn't it? I didn't even thought of that. Um, we'll put it this way. If we hadn't had that break, it would have been Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So, yeah, you're welcome, everyone. Um, but, yeah, I've been playing Control. Uh, it was a free game on PlayStation uh, Plus um, a few months back, I think. And on Andy's advice, I waited until I was a PS5 dickhead to actually play it because it has performance issues or something. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was excited. Um, it was a game that I had my eye on for a while. Uh, and when I first started playing it, I was really intrigued, although I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. And, you know, any game where you have superpowers is really, really fun. Uh, I really like the ties to Alan Wake because that's a game I actually love. But really quickly, I just found myself getting quite bored and frustrated with it. Uh, yeah. Like, I was doing absolutely fine. And then there's this sudden difficulty spike, which meant I got stuck. And I just have, like, zero patience for that sort of thing these days. So I, um, they have, like, all these, like, accessibility options. So I turned on one-shot kill. So now I'm just, like, rampaging my way through it. But, <laughs> yeah, I just lost interest in it pretty quick. And I actually considered stopping playing it, um, which I rarely do with games. The gameplay's fine. The story's okay. But there's, like, 
so much reading in that game. You pick up so many files and all the backstories in these files and you have to read it. And I like reading, but when I play video games, I want the story to be told through the medium of video games. <sighs> but yeah, I'm, I'll crack on with it and uh, hopefully finish it. And then I can be back to talking about Assassin's Creed next month. Hmm. Yay. <laughs> I worry what might happen, Chip. If you come back next month with Assassin's Creed, like, <laughs> I think it might break Andy. Yeah, I might do <laughs> it's it just a good control. thing we're meeting up before then, because otherwise I would strangle you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. I'll just plan what I'm playing around when we're meeting up, and then we'll be okay. <laughs> you could avoid yeah. death. You need a safety buffer. So, Andy, what have you been playing in the last two months, I guess? I've been playing a couple of things. Uh, I've been playing Death Stranding Director's Cut which I don't want to talk about because I want to do an episode on that at some point. I've also started playing the Persona games from the beginning. And again, I don't really want to talk about that here because I feel like we could talk about the Persona games in the future. It feels like a good topic. I like how Yoko with I've been playing this. I don't want to talk about it. I, there is a, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to talk about I'm, that either. I'm building to something. I'm not going to talk about go, it. Go, go. What are all what, these what secret you want games to talk about? The, the, game, the game that I want to talk about is Cookie Clicker. Beg your pardon. It's Cookie Clicker. <laughs> it's 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 an idle uh, game. It started off as a web browser game, and then it moved on to uh, Android, and now it's on Steam. And it starts where you just you have a cookie, and you just click on it. And when you click on it, you get more cookies. And the more cookies you get, you can start to buy things. Like you can start to hire uh, grandmas to make cookies for you. And then after the grandmas, there's stuff like uh, factories and banks to store the cookies and uh, alchemy labs and spaceships to go to the moon and find cookies and portals to other dimensions to pull out cookies it's just you just start collecting cookies and then the more cookies you get you can buy like clickers and stuff to automatically generate cookies for you and you just leave it running and it just keeps going and going and going forever and it just becomes this really along as you're going along it just becomes this weird little critique of capitalism that like you start putting the grandmas to work in the mines and the factories and stuff, and then all these grandmas appear with like mining equipment and stuff, and it's just this ceaseless drudge trying to build is all it, these, just build your cookie empire. Is it a criticism if the game is actively endorsing you to do that? Yeah, but it's not. There's no like uh, capitalism's great. There's no like uh, microtransactions <laughs> or anything like that in it. So it's very, it's like oh, okay. just what you're getting. It's not like it's not like a lot of idle games where. They do kind of encourage you to buy stuff to like speed the game up. You just have to keep it going, and it starts getting really weird. And like the grandmas really? can like mutate and turn, it creates a grandma apocalypse or something. And they all turn into these Cronenberg monstrosities and create these alien <laughs> things that start sapping out of your, sapping on your cookies. And it's it gets really weird and high concept, and it's just absolutely baffling and it's completely addictive. I, I'm just obsessed with it. It's really interesting and really weird and just saying cookie clicker seemed to confuse people which i enjoy as well <laughs> I, I wish you could see my face right now it wasn't what i was expecting from a game called cookie clicker yeah it, it gets weird <laughs> I, I would recommend it it's on steam if people want to play it's also a web browser so you can look it up it's not on ios there's a shitload of rip-offs on ios because that's the apple star for you <laughs> biscuit beater <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a very different game <laughs> yeah, Come and beat your biscuit. No, all right. Beat your biscuit. Beat your biscuit on your phone. Segway. It's real early in the podcast for me to be shouting segway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good grief. So can anyone guess what I've been playing for the last two months? <laughs> uh, um, gee, let me think. Online? Assassin's Creed? Uh, no, it's Final Fantasy. What? Seven? X. What's that? <laughs> no, I mean, I have actually been playing Final Fantasy X, though, as well as 14. Ten. I borrowed it off my my lovely partner. And uh, he also had a copy of the strategy guide. You guys remember those, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm old as fuck, remember? I tried to write my own once. That sounds like a topic for another subject. Yeah. Subject episode. <laughs> I mean, the the fact, the truth is, the, the truth of the matter is we all know that I have played over 250 hours of Final Fantasy XIV online, which is the game that we're discussing this month since the 1st of September and for those wondering today is the 17th of October so it's a lot of hours that I have played so I've not played much else but yeah I did just want to bring up that I had put a little bit of time into something else though it's still a Final Fantasy game. All I will say is that playing with the strategy guide has like really just changed my experience because I just read what to do and I really like that. <laughs> like, oh, this is where I need to go. Cool. Tell me what to do, please. It's the perfect response to the on-your-own-fuckers style of gaming. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's safe to say that um, the past month and a half has changed me fundamentally as a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Sasha? And I wanted to take this opportunity to put in a formal apology. Originally, I was going to rewrite oh it. But um, we all know what I'm about. Freeforming is still my thing, and uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it instead, and we'll see what comes from the heart. You're in, so, you're in a safe place, Sasha. This is a judgment-free zone. Is it though? Usually, mostly. Well, we'll see what you say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <gasps> deep breath. Hmm. So, dear listeners, friends, co-hosts, for too long now, I have claimed to not be an open world. RPG gamer. They are too intimidating, too big. Uh, Look at Fallout 4, never finished it. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, never, never finished it. Uh, Persona 5, a game that I really enjoyed, still never finished it. If I looked at how long does this take to beat on Google, if it was more than 20 hours, I probably wouldn't even pick it up because I genuinely believed that these games were not for me. And then I started playing Final Fantasy XIV online and have sunk, I said 250, that was actually like earlier in the week that I did that playtime <laughs> command. It's probably nearing 300 hours already in seven weeks. So I guess what I'm saying is I have to apologize and say that perhaps it's not that I'm not an open world RPG gamer and actually it's just that I like good open world RPG games. Oh, right. You're going there, are we? Whoa. I am apologising. <laughs> oh, <whoa. laughs> I'm still mad that you called us co-hosts and not friends. Yeah, we're, I... we're not classed as friends. You're both. You or listeners. Both. I listen to the podcast. <laughs> You're all three then. You are all three. No, I'm... I, I, well, I was going to be nice about this game, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's necessarily I, I, uh... good RPG games. I think you just like a very specific kind of RPG. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, no, the past the past six months, uh, I have played a number of um, open world games, including Nier, for instance. Um, I think that was my first foray into playing a game for sort of more than 60 hours that wasn't Animal Crossing. Yeah, I, I think the key is I really like Japanese RPGs. 
they seem to speak to my sensibilities a little I, bit. I'm trying so hard. I'm not saying I'm a word. Not, no. not to say it. I'm a weeb. There we go. It's who I am. Oh, Love I can't me wait for to who I that. am. <laughs> <laughs> Chip, I hope you're going to edit in some nice music and then there can be like some sort of um, record, record scratch, scratch when I say, fuck you all. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for what I like <laughs> and don't like. Yeah, it's it has, as you guys know full well, it has really captured my heart and the game has become very important to me in a very short space of time. And we're going to really get into that. The format of this episode is going to be a little bit different because, yes, Side Eye, two out of four of the players here didn't even get to the massively or the multiplayer part of um, Final Fantasy fourteen. So Yeah, Becky. Just um, like to point yeah, out, I am not though. one of those two people. I did the homework. <laughs> but what I, I did want to do, though... Um, before we sort of really get into FF14. It's a story that is genuinely unbelievable in the world of video games overall, and especially MMOs in terms of game development. First, I thought it was worth handing over to our resident gaming historian. Yeah, Becky. Oh. What? <laughs> Don't do that for I did nothing. No, okay. For, uh, for something of a history of MMOs, a genre that I know you have played probably more extensively than the rest of us. Yes, probably. Unless Chip's being a real dark horse about this. I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, good. We will find out. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded like such a threat, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. So yeah, I'm going to talk about the history of the MMORPG specifically, um, with a little bit on MMOs. Let's start with the MMORPG, or Mamorpaga, <laughs> started life. You have That's to how I say it. Yeah. That's how I say it. Yeah, I always say it. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the Mamorpaga started life as an MUD, or MUD, because you know, I don't want to say MUD all the time. That, that stands for multi-user dungeons. <laughs> We've all been to one of those. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now it's not the time to think about Lance Reddick, Chip. <laughs> oh, callback. <laughs> so yeah, these these were their muds were text adventure systems created to accommodate multiple users. The first text adventure was created in 1975. The first multi-user dungeon called Mud One was created in 1978 by Rob Trubshaw and Richard Bartle at the University of Essex. Mud One would initially run on the university's network, but it would uh, evolve various iterations of coding language becoming available on the Janet network, which made it available across British universities in, the, in 1980. Uh, this made it the first proper MMORPG. From here, the concept of MUDs would spread to the US as the presence of personal computers and internet access in people's homes became more common. Uh, bulletin boards would allow players to engage in these games across great distances. Uh, MUD1 was eventually pulled from the Essex network in 1987, after Bartle licensed the game to CompuServe and they started to apply pressure on the university to take it down. But that was replaced by Mist, with an I, not a Y, which uh, ran until 1991. The next big jump in the text-based MMORPGA, sorry, <laughs> uh, would be Avalon The Legend Lives, which was released in 1989, and that introduced things like professions and skills, banking, commodity and trade systems... Uh, the concept of item ownership, item ownership even, uh, virtual real estate, things that became really common in the genre and are still are today. Meanwhile, 
uh, another offshoot of the MMO was being revolutionised by LucasArts, who'd be developed at Habitat in the late, mid to late 1980s. Uh, this was a large virtual community where players were represented by digital avatars. Uh, the game offered a lot of freedom in terms of interactions, and it was a precursor for games like uh, Second Life and Habbo Hotel. Um, the idea of games being social hubs rather than objective-based games like most MMORPGs or Mamopagas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the way you say it. It's just the excitement as you start saying it. <laughs> it's, it's a fun thing to say. What can I say? I can say Mamopaga. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, Roy Wagner of Computer Gaming World said of Habitat, this game effectively optimises the local storage, processing and graphics power of a low-cost Commodore 64 128 home computer that is in over 4 million homes and the real-time person-to-person interactivity made possible by a low-cost nationwide network that is available with a local phone call. So, you know, you stick that on a box, can't you? <laughs> uh, so as an aside, the struggles of developing Habitat would become the basis of two seasons of AMC's Halt and Catch Fire, yes, if anyone liked that show. Yes, it was a very good show. Um, so back to the Mamopaga. <laughs> the first... <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. You do like a, a big hand gesture as you say it as well. Cause I, I do kind of jazz like hands. wind up to it, like, I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. So um, <laughs> the first to feature graphics would come in 1991 with Neverwinter Nights from Beyond Software. This ran on AOL between 1991 and 1997, and it had a pretty strong player base and led to Bioware obtaining the Neverwinter Nights license so they could create a single-player game and try and cash in on that fandom. The first 3D Mamopaga was (laughs) Meridian 59 for the PC by the 3DO company. And if you don't remember the 3DO, you are truly blessed. I guess. In 1997, Ultima Online was the first game to officially be called a Mamopaga. <laughs> Ultima Online went free to play in 2018 and stands as the longest running MMO in the world. I actually knew a dude who played Ultima Online obsessively in the early 2000s and none of it made sense to me. But likely that was because I was always completely shit first when I was in his house and I was usually trying to convince him to listen to something other than Pink Fucking Floyd. <laughs> so I have that's tainted my impressions of Ultima Online. We're learning so much. Yes, you are. More than I expected. So a lot of uh, Mamopagas appeared on the market following the success of Ultima Online. Uh, the first console Mamopaga was <laughs> Fantasy Star Online for the Dreamcast, and also Final Fantasy XI, which was the first MMO to offer a unified server that for crossplay. Uh, but even like the Final Fantasy branding couldn't really help that game break into the mainstream due to the like less than optimal online services available on consoles before Xbox Live. So the game that truly brought the genre into the mainstream and the first real blockbuster of the form was World of Warcraft in 2001, which would go on to be the best-selling PC game in 2005 and 2006, which was the same year it became the basis for an award-winning episode of South Park. It hit its peak in 2010, with a whopping 12 million concurrent um, subscribers. So after um, the success of World of Warcraft, there was an explosion of Mamopagas, including franchises such as Star Wars, Star Trek, Elder Scrolls, DC Comics. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. um, Many of these games were like misguided at best, like worthless at worst. Uh, One of these games happened to be Final Fantasy XIV in 2010. It did. Yes. Shh. 
<laughs> that's it. That, that was my lead-in. Oh, I like that. You gave me a segue and I did not run with it. Well, Chip, chip can cut this, chip can, chip can cut this to make you sound good. <laughs> Seamless transition. <laughs> Ruined. No, no, one will, no one will know. That Chip's just going to have to really... No, no, this is Cut that to the... All of this is staying. Excellent. I think it's 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 a genre that I remember watching. So in high school, I remember watching like my high school best friend playing World of Warcraft. Like I'd go hang out at his house on weekends and stuff, and like he would just sit and play World of Warcraft, and I would like sit on play. Probably won't have been my Game Boy. I would imagine it'll be like one of the DSs or something. I don't know which one will have been out around that time, but like. We'd be sat playing different, completely different video games, and I'd watch, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, that's just really overwhelming." <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look at me now, James. <laughs> Fuck you, James. Now you listen, but <laughs> if you do, look at me now. I just remember being like, "Holy shit!" Uh, I mean, I didn't play PC games mas- that much anyway, so uh, another layer to it, really. But um, they always just seemed like. I can't even think of the right word because I don't want to say like the most nerdiest of game genres. <laughs> but that's what but they mean. kind of they kind of did a little bit. Certainly to me back then, not that I was ever judgmental of that, but it felt like it was never a thing that was for me for sure for a multitude of reasons. Um, some of which I've sort of semi-apologized for. But um, <laughs> if you call it that, I can I can admit when I am wrong. I am wrong about this specific game before I start playing it. I still might think World of Warcraft is trash. Who's to say? I'll never try it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Episode on World of Warcraft coming up. Yeah, I'm going to pick that. That's, that's going to be one of my picks next year. <laughs> I mean, Andy, I know that you played World of Warcraft. Yeah, I, I was obsessed with World of Warcraft in um, the 2000s. I jumped on when the Burning Crusade expansion launched. So the sexy night elves and oh no, blood elves. <laughs> the night elves were already in it. The blood elves were new. Were they sexy too? Yeah, they were all sexy. All oh, the okay, elves good. were sexy. <laughs> I was so sexy. yeah, I ordered. Oh, elf! Is, is there such a thing as an unsexy elf? Nope. Christopher Eccleston thought you answered that so quick. <laughs> they were. They were they proper elves. They were weird. I... Chip, this isn't. We're not going to be getting into who I'm shipping my character with. In Final Fantasy XIV, of course you have a shit. Okay, good, good. I'm I'm really pleased about that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, that went well. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I was I was obsessed with uh, WoW. I had to order an American copy from eBay because like all my friends playing it were Americans, and at the time that was the only way I could access a US server. It was a bit weird, but Mm. I I sank a lot of time into that game, like staying up at very unhealthy hours. I just loved everything about that game, and I hit a point. Um, I can't remember when it was, but I hit a point where I was so intent on levelling up and it started getting a lot harder at that point in the game. You know, the grind starts to get longer. And I promised that if I levelled up, I would streak through the barons and I would sing the entire time. And I did. I ran through the barons <laughs> nude and I was singing the lyrics to Gonna Fly Now from the Rocky soundtrack. <laughs> and people would have stood around watching in disbelief. Well, I'm taking that off my gym playlist now. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm learning so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, there's another Mamorpaga that I was really into around that time. That was City of Heroes, where you got to create your own superhero. Mm, I've heard and of that. That was the first time I really. Yeah, it's really. It was, it was. It was choppy, but it was entertaining. It was my first like real experience trying to do RP while playing. I I, I stayed in character the entire time I was playing. 
<laughs> my character was called Kurt Smashley. He was a man who was bitten by a radioactive Joseph McCarthy, and he became obsessed with hunting down communists. <laughs> and, uh, I was, Incredible. I was like, so I'm put, I had to put this on record so nobody could rip me off, like, so I can sue them if anyone tries. But yeah, I was so obsessed with staying in character that I ended up pissing off a famous comic writer during a gaming session. They'd joined us, <laughs> and I was so deep into my character, talking about the Red Menace and things like that, <laughs> and old, old, old Stalin and things like stuff. Uh, they gradually exuded an energy that was saying, God, I hope this dickhead leaves. <laughs> and <laughs> if any listeners if any listeners can guess which famous comic writer that was, I will send you a prize. <laughs> so, yeah, those are my two big formative mamopagas. Uh, I don't think... So Final Fantasy fourteen had a hard time living up to that. Really, but you know, few things I, could really. A radioactive Jason McCarthy bite is a lot to live up to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel like the pod speaks there. To be honest, so we should just. End it's it. hard to fit that into Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen. To be fair. <laughs> Becky, Chip, do you guys have any experience with uh, mammal piggers? Nope. <laughs> Good <talk. laughs> Chip. Uh, I actually do. You may be able to tell uh, what I thought of Final Fantasy fourteen by the effort that I've put into these ones. But I dabbled in a bit of WoW uh, years and years ago. Uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine was like massively into it. So I played up to, I think, level 20 or whatever the cut was before you had to pay for it. That's when I stopped. Um, I enjoyed it. I think I mostly enjoyed playing with her. That kind <laughs> of... I, I... <laughs> not whilst Crazy. playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> she was not a sexy elf. She wasn't an elf. I would just take that out. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she listens, so but no, I won't be mean. It's fine. Let's not slander your exes. I was going to say we're about to find out, surely. <laughs> uh, I also played um, a franchise that was mentioned in Andy's history of um, Neverwinter, which again I played with my housemate and best friend. Uh, we we did this because we were making content for YouTube at the time. We went through a you know quite a long phase of doing that, um, and I think the videos are actually still up. But again, it was fine. It was fun to play it with someone else. But the appeal was very much that we were bad at it. We even got involved in the Neverwinter Reddit and accidentally stumbled into some drama uh, over there. So um, we would post our videos on there, you know, just to, for the views and stuff. And, you know, people would comment and stuff like that. And there was one person on the Reddit who made their own dungeons. And she was like, oh, would you play uh, the things I've made for your content? And we were like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's guaranteed one viewer. We will do anything you ask of us, of course. <laughs> so we played those and we did videos of them and we posted those as well. And then we started getting messages on Reddit, comments on the post, comments on our, our videos as well, which were all things like, oh, you shouldn't play her dungeon. She's such a bitch for whatever reasons, like really, really aggressive stuff. And then she'd come back in and argue with them. And apparently there was just this like whole beef within the community. So we, we just stopped playing that game and stopped making videos on it and just <laughs> left. <laughs> so that has been my experiences with the Mamuffa Fuckers. <laughs> knocked out completely like yeah nope. yeah just like, oh okay well you stay over there we'll find we, we 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 just wanted to play a dungeon and be bad at it but okay excellent that feels really on brand like you start to play a game the fun of it being that you were bad at it and then you somehow got dragged into some random like <laughs> community beef yeah 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure we would have got death threats at some point, so... And just Jeez. going, nope, bye. Fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm with Becky. I have, aside from, like, say, watching my friend play WoW sometimes, I have I have no direct experience myself playing Mamorpagas. Thank you. <laughs> or open world RPGs that much, that's all. And before I started playing with you guys, I didn't even really play online that much particularly like even if a game had online features i generally wouldn't play like i wouldn't take advantage of that so this has just been it's a been a whole discovery thing for me <laughs> can, can i ask at this point because the thing i can't get my head around is you you don't like big maps and big mm-hmm. worlds and this game <laughs> is fucking huge not one one map three maps mm-hmm. Three maps are huge. No, no, it, it has more maps than that, Becky. Come on. The, the three maps I got to were huge. <laughs> yeah, the starting areas all have, like, if you took each individual area, I think there's about, depending on where your starting area is, anywhere between, like, five and seven maps. And then you open those and you get access to all of those. And then there's the new worlds but that are coming in. Com- compared um, yeah, to Horizon no. Zero Dawn... It... Oh, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn is tiny. And, and yet you had issues. <laughs> I'm just like, but why? Those issues were covered quite comprehensively in the episode. No, no, no. I'm not. No, I, I get the issues with Horizon Zero Dawn. Just I don't understand why this game because it's huge, and I, I really cannot stress for how for people who haven't played it or experienced it how huge this game is. <laughs> like, and and yeah. and yet there's no no issues there, no problems. No. And confusing to navigate as well. I'd like to point that out as well, please. Like, yes. I got yes. lost I so think, many times. Yeah. confusing to navigate. I think especially, and, and I guess, you know, this is kind of dipping into our experiences of gameplay with it. And it's not at all the wrong time to discuss that because I think this is going to be more of an open conversation mm. as we talk about the history of Final Fantasy XIV and what it started at and what it be- what it has become. But, but yeah, no, that I... I have no reason. I can't explain it. Basically. I mean, a large part of this part I... is just going to be us grabbing you by the shoulders, shaking you and go, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you want? Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think it's harder to navigate and harder to play on console generally. Having I've had a go on PC just to try it, although my laptop genuinely just isn't really up to scratch. It was laggy as shit, but... I did it just for the research, if nothing else, just so I could be like, no, I, I at least experienced it on a PC as well. Um, but yeah, I play it on console. But yeah, it took me a really, I say a really long time. Um, <laughs> no, it took me um, like a good week of playing it to sort of really familiarize myself with navigating it, to get my hood layout exactly how I wanted it, to get screen sizes of everything. So I, you know, all of the standards. It assumes a lot in how it sets it up for console um, in terms of how people would need it to play because it assumes that you're, you know, at least six feet away from your TV screen kind of thing. Mm. So everything's kind of blown up um, around it aside from, you know, your actual player and stuff. So I think... I you know as we get through and talk about some of the things I think you know we'll we'll start to delve into those negatives and those experiences and I totally get why it was a struggle for you guys especially I know all of us played it on console but yeah hopefully as we talk about it and give some of the context of the game itself and and how it came to be and what it came to be I, I, I just had to there'll ask. be at least an appreciation no <laughs> and, and absolutely I. 
I mean, I haven't like delved into it with my therapist or anything, but it's definitely <laughs> something potentially worth unpacking. Like, why this game? Why this one game? I know you had the similar questions with Nia, for instance, when I when I suddenly got like really hyperfixated and obsessed with Nia yeah. for about a month and a half. Like, what was it about that? I don't know. But yeah, this has just taken everything. It blows everything. Every criticism I've ever put towards um, open world games, big map games, um, is completely undone <laughs> with this. And and it's very it's very brave of you to admit it. It's it's turned me into a massive fucking hypocrite. <laughs> like I say, I can admit when I'm wrong, and I'm wrong. <laughs> and you're very brave Finally. to do so. so this feels like a really good time then i guess shall we get into the history of final fantasy 14 and before we do i just want to know how much you guys know about version one and version two matt hardy (laughs) (laughs) of this game very few people are going to get that joke (laughs) that was just for me i think yeah (laughs) i appreciate it you're welcome so like yeah how many of you know like Obviously, the original version, version one of this game, literally doesn't exist. I just knew its reputation. Yeah, and that it threatened to sink not only the Final Fantasy series, but Square. Yeah, it was like poison. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the The word of mouth was just absolutely toxic on that game. It was like a lot of MMOPagas, sorry. A lot of them don't hit that like sweet spot that games like World of Warcraft got. And a lot of them are just largely forgettable and just kind of come and go. But there was a, a lot of hostility around Final Fantasy fourteen. I remember. People were really upset with it, possibly because it had the Final Fantasy branding, which so expectations were higher. I just remember it being a very poorly received game. And like it turned me off entirely. I was I was always willing to try a new Mamorpaga. <laughs> I just immediately just thought, no, I'm not wasting my time on that. I left it and just forgot all about it until... It started getting like rehabilitating itself, basically. Mm-hmm. And and Chip and Becky, I assume it's fair to say that until you know, I put in the suggestion that this is the episode that we cover. This is the game we cover. This this is going to be the episode. I assume that you kind of ha- weren't necessarily really aware of the early life of this game. Mm, for sure. I mean, my awareness of the Final Fantasy franchise, as previously established, is very limited. Anyway, so yeah, pass me by entirely. Yeah, you thought they were all sequential sequels, didn't you? I did, like yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. It was, I was never going to catch up and was just fine <laughs> with that. <laughs> this one's online? No chance. Yeah, absolutely I'll never get not. to 15. <laughs> I was aware of the uh, the scuttlebutt around it, I think, when it first came out, but because it's not, I'm not into my Mamuga covers, I wasn't that kind of <laughs> invested in it. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was I quite fancy trying, actually. I'd actually suggested it to some friends before. It's like, oh, this is kind of free to play and we can all play it together. We should play it at some point. But that's about as far as I got until we did it for the pod. Okay. So I don't think, and, and before I even get into talking about the history, I just wanted to call out that Noclip video game documentaries, they do a three episode documentary series on this game that was recorded back in 2017. So, you know, some of the it's not that it's ever out of date but like this was recorded you know a few years back and this game is still out still releasing new content still getting astounding reviews but i did just want to credit noclip for a lot of the information that i got i've done quite a bit of research into this because you know it's really captured my heart and when things do i get a little bit obsessed and i will want to consume everything about them but this was the starting point for me learning about how this game came to be where it is now just really blew my mind and opened my eyes up 
to the incredible development team that sit behind um, version 2 and beyond. So you can't talk about Final Fantasy fourteen online without touching on first Final Fantasy eleven online. And I know, Andy, you mentioned it in your uh, summary, sort of your history of MMOs generally. Final Fantasy XI was the first MMO in Japan, just ever. Uh, it was also the first MMO on PlayStation 2 um, and sort of on Xbox as well. Like con- it, was, it was considered one, like the first major console MMO. It was also the first cross-platform MMO, so it was on PlayStation 2 to xbox and pc and it was hugely successful in fact i believe it's still going like i believe the servers are still live and that people can still play final fantasy 11 online and it was kind of that success almost feeds into the failure of version one of final fantasy 14 when they decided that they were doing final fantasy 14 online they kind of just built on what made 11 successful so you know beautiful graphics interesting battle system and old development techniques (laughs) uh so you know the world had moved on a little bit by then but they kind of just rested on their is it rest on their laurels is that the phrase yeah yeah but they just rested on what they knew and just built a new game built a new story uh it was announced in 2009 it was going to be windows and playstation 3 it was it was going to be directed and produced by the same duo that shipped Eleven, including series veteran Hiromichi Tanaka, who has worked on like several of the Final Fantasy games. At the peak of Final Fantasy Eleven, it's also worth mentioning that they had around four million concurrent players, and until recently, it was it was the most profitable Final Fantasy game ever made. Um, it also has the title of being the sixth most popular game on all of Xbox Live. This was obviously in 2017, so that's probably moved on since then. But that uh, this you know tiny Japanese game, well, not tiny, but you know like it was a, it was primarily a Japanese game, a Japanese user base that it still had like this huge following on Xbox as well. Because um, key to note, Final Fantasy 14 isn't on Xbox. It's not made the jump because of all of that. They almost kind of went into Final Fantasy 14 a bit wiener best and just made a continuation of that as search all the, and it was a brand new story as all of the final fantasies are as we know they're all individual stories but it was kind of just the way that it was developed and actually if you can ever have the opportunity to see footage of version one and compare it against final fantasy 11 to say that there was meant one was playstation 2 and one is playstation 3 the graphics quality is basically the same oh, yeah awkward it doesn't look great and i know that that's hard especially when you see what it looks like now which i think is a very beautiful game in places but it didn't look good they did a a sort of a beta that was it ran late um and there were like heaps of issues they found all of these issues in beta but i think they just kept thinking it will resolve when it's live because obviously it's live service they can patch it they can make it better whatever and it was launched in on September 30th in 2010. Its first week, it saw um, its growth to 600,000 players. And uh, that is when everyone went to fucking town on it. <laughs> <laughs> Reviewers were not kind. It was sluggish, servers crashed, 
the Eorzeans, which is sort of the, it's set in the fictional land of Eorzea. The Eorzeans, they would run, run out of things to do. The quests were limited. There was a fatigue system in, built in there, um, oh, which made grinding for XP basically impossible. The PC version required a controller uh-huh. <laughs> to play. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, like it wasn't even keyboard and mouse. Yeah, critics ate it alive. They said it had an auto of lids face that was recycled content from Eleven. The limits on questing, uh, useless maps. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus Christ! <laughs> All of this stuff that was just, and, and you're up to your point, Andy. Like this was a Final Fantasy game made by Square Enix, the fourteenth one. Like this, it was a huge deal, especially after Nine. At the at Nine, Eleven was so popular for 14 to come out and just crash and burn like big time crash and fucking burn and i just wanted to give a quote from um yosuka matsuda and i'm really sorry if i've said that wrong he is the current square enix ceo at the time when final fantasy 14 online came out he was the cfo and he says the biggest difference between all the issues that happened around final fantasy 11 versus the original one point note of Final Fantasy fourteen was that despite all the issues that were happening in the game, the game was still fairly well received. But with fourteen, the one point not version of it, what I felt was problematic was that the game itself was not regarded very well. It was actually received very poorly at and after launch. And he's also quoted as mentioning like basically that was the story of a lot of the Final Fantasy games, even the ones that weren't necessarily beloved. People still played them and they still liked them well enough. Final Fantasy fourteen, it was like all of that goodwill, all of that feeling towards it was just gone. The community hated it. And I just want to pause there a second and just say, can you imagine, like, as a company as big as Square Enix, like, releasing a game and it just tanking. Like, a Final Fantasy game just tanking completely on release. I was going to say, like, you have to specify Final Fantasy because they did release the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. I'd be used to that part, but, like, the Final Fantasy part, yeah. Like, even, like, like you say, like, even the games that aren't particularly beloved on the level of, like, the really popular ones, like, 6 and 7 and so on, there's still a lot of people that play them and will are quite still quite passionate about them i don't know many people that would say final fantasy 13 is like one of their favorites many people would say it's one of their least favorites but there's still a lot of passion surrounding that game and those characters and so it's very weird to see a final fantasy game come out where people are repelled or like indifferent or just anything but like passionate it's just completely un- unheard of really yeah absolutely and again, I know, like, Becky, you'll be like me. Like, I was completely unaware of Final Fantasy at the time. Mm. Like, I'd maybe seen some of the pretty art on Ten and things. I remember really liking the art. That's how I came to be playing Ten recently, because I'd just been talking about it with my partner. And I was like, I really remember seeing a poster in, like, a PlayStation mag or something for Final Fantasy Ten, And I just loved the outfits that they were wearing. <laughs> um, so I would draw it. But that was, like, as far as my Final Fantasy knowledge went at the time. So this completely passed me by, but looking back and and seeing when you consider you know that the developers and stuff they'd spent like four or five years making this game and then it comes out and people just shat on it (laughs) they really did square enix turned off subscriptions they made it a free to play service like within the month of it coming out they realized they just can't charge people to to play this game that's when you know you're done fucked up (laughs) oh yeah 
they put out so many apologies. They were genuinely really apologetic about it. And I I don't want to speak as someone who's highly knowledgeable on Japanese culture, but I know from like watching the documentaries and stuff, they were talking about it actually got to a point where it was almost being seen as insincere in Western cultures, specific, like, you know, in the US and stuff where we go, okay, you need to stop apologizing now. Like it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> But this was just such a huge deal. It was a huge failure for the company and for the series. And they brought in uh, Naoki Yoshida, who in the community is known as Yoshi P. And let me just say now, his vibes are immaculate. (laughs) 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 He is the best. (laughs) I'm going to say, don't fucking care. Come at me. I just Googled him. You are correct. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have heard of him, Yoshi P. He's known in the community. He, yeah, he has just got to be one of the goodest guys in video game direction and producing and creation. He's so sound. Uh, so his first MMO, funnily enough, was Ultima Online. He started at Square on Dragon Quest as well, which again is another series I've not played, but I think it's in a similar vein to like the early Final Fantasies. Yeah. Um, in terms of their gameplay. This game had been released in September of 2010. He was brought in as the new producer director in November of 2010. And he spent seven weeks researching. And by the way, in that seven weeks, he convinced Square to give the entire team seven weeks off, basically, (laughs) because he said they needed it while he was figuring out what to do socialist king honestly like, <laughs> he was just like these people have you know they've crunched and they've done everything and we need to give them i don't know if it was exactly seven weeks like from when he came in but i know that when he came in he convinced them while well, he said i'm figuring out what we're going to do give them a break and they Can did imagine any other gaming company doing that at the moment no nope. no that's amazing Honestly, the more I talk about him, because this is going to come up a lot, about how, again, immaculate vibes. Like, he's just got to be the nicest guy in video games, honestly. (laughs) He's our sexy elf. (laughs) He So he spent seven weeks researching, and he returned to, uh, to Square with these two options. So plan A was patch the game, make it playable... It'll ultimately never satisfy players. It certainly won't stand the test of time. Um, and damage to the brand it could potentially be catastrophic. But at least you'll have a game that's playable. Which a lot of the arguments were when this came out was, it's not even playable, lads. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Or plan B, apply your patches to version 1. In the background and in secret, we'll build a new version. Because this game had been guaranteed for PlayStation 3... It had to be during its life cycle, which meant it gave them about two years to completely rebuild this fucking game. And we know now where this went. So that's what they did. But he's like, we need to regain the community's trust. Otherwise, why would they ever play another Final Fantasy game? Why would they ever play another Final Fantasy online game for sure? Or anything, any MMO that Square produce, you know, and, and he kind of comes into it and sees the harsh realities of he's like you know i think this failed because you know you guys you can't you basically had the hubris to believe that you're the best in the industry and so you didn't need to change your approach he was stunned to learn that people who developed the game hadn't actually even played other mmos other than final fantasy 11 like they just played their own game 
it feels like such a karmic exercise. Yeah. He was like, you didn't even play WoW, which obviously at the time was like the biggest MMO and still is in terms of, you know, number of actual subscribers yeah, and I mean, stuff. That, that's insane not playing World of Warcraft. But he was like, you're not looking at what the industry is doing, like how it's changing. I know that Final Fantasy XI has been a huge success for us, but we have to move beyond that kind of thing. His plan B was so bold. It would be bold in any kind of game, I think. Mm. Can you imagine them doing that with any other kind of video game, not even an online live service game? I think the closest we get is possibly No Man's Sky. Yeah, I was thinking of that, like in terms of sheer like force of will getting that into a game that people wanted to play. Yeah, it's still essentially the same. Like Foundations are the same game that came out. So even that's like, this is like what they did with Final Fantasy XIV is like unprecedented, really. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. No, it's never been done before, and the likelihood of it being done again. <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah, we've got amazed. to be like non-existent. The money, yeah. But yeah, that that's what they went for. They went, do you know what? Yeah, it's more important to us that we rebuild the trust of the community and we make them believe in Final Fantasy and Square Enix games again than it is that we just make this game playable and accept that it's generally trash. And I've got in my notes here two years with three exclamation points and underlined, like, I think we just really need to sit back for a second and go, (laughs) two years to rebuild an MMO. Could you imagine coming in after your several weeks off and being like, right, guys, here's the plan. You just be like, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) It's like any game on this level, like two years is unheard of. It's like four years usually. And even then that's pushing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is like when the decided they were going to make E.T. and they said, okay, you have like three weeks to make the E.T. game. <laughs> Normally it would end in absolute fucking disaster. Yeah. He, t- he describes being in that first meeting where he said to people, like, you know, hear me out. This is what I think we should do. And he actually <laughs> s- describes how he said to them, you know, to all these developers and stuff. He's like, look, if you don't want to do this right now off the bat, that's fine. But give me a month. Work with me for a month. And he talks about how he took every single element of the game down to its lowest common denominator its lowest thing so say like a chocobo or something like the lowest thing it needed to be developed and the developers would build that thing and he reviewed every single item it just i i as a project manager in my daily life as a project manager who works in like that kind of agile scrum which is kind of what that is methodology i cannot imagine having to review every single bit of code every single thing and giving it the okay being that last person like the amount of pressure and responsibility he took onto his shoulders and this was in secret by the way so the other thing that they did with the community, um, a name you may or may not also recognize is um, Toshi Mirushi, uh, who is like the community manager. Um, and it was a thing that the Square board were not happy with, was that they did patch notes that were fully transparent. Uh, so, so they set about, in, in the two years whilst they were developing version two, they set about fixing version one enough that it could be played whilst it was all still a free-to-play service. But the patch notes they'd release, it was kind of one of the first times that a video game company had done this, especially again, an MMO one, where they literally listed out every single little thing that they were changing in each patch. I think it's a lot more common now, but again, you have to think this was 10 years ago, where 
sort of smoke and mirrors were kind of probably considered a bit more positive because the idea was i think the ceo board and the the chair board were kind of like it gives us wiggle room if we don't deliver certain things so this was how they set about it yoshi and toshi (laughs) were like the first thing they did was interface and quality of life updates so like yoshi p was like if you're playing on PC, you need to be able to play on keyboard and mouse. <laughs> Fundamentals. Not, with a, not with a fucking controller. <laughs> but also you need hotbars. Because that wasn't really a thing. Jesus. And in those early days of those first six months of patches, like people were complaining still. They're like, why are we patching these things? But it's because if you think about a game, if it's well designed you don't necessarily notice its interface and again i think we do have to consider this is an mmo so the interfaces can be quite busy Mm. anyway because there's stuff to fit into them but like again if you can even see pictures of the original holy shit (laughs) but a good well-designed game you don't notice things like the interface you don't necessarily notice the quality of like how easy it is to find the right buttons how easy it is to to click on the right things yeah because i think like the second you start noticing them something's gone wrong because it should feel seamless while you're playing a game yeah unless it's really specifically built in to you know the design of the game i'm thinking Mm. something like the persona games where you know the interface it's all about the design everything about that is you you notice the interface because it's literally designed to be part of the experience yeah But, but yeah you might not notice with a uh, you know just your average game you might not notice like what start menus look like and things because you know it's just it's just part of the game he then wanted them to work on the battle system he felt like that is like a final fantasy staple is having a good battle system and then they started looking at the content and specifically adding in final fantasy content because i think that was the other thing that yoshi felt was missing so you know things like the chocobos and the ability to ride them that was introduced uh phrasing but (laughs) um but you know what i mean like um he added in specific jobs like black mage and stuff which uh final fantasy specific jobs black mage and dragoon things like that are kind of really final fantasy specific and he added those in and then things like fighting ifrit and garuda they're like really classic final fantasy bosses Mm. Uh, that tend to feature in many of the Final Fantasy games before it and have since as well. But he kind of, he wanted to make it feel like a Final Fantasy game as well. Uh, He kind of really came in and looked at it from the perspective of almost as an outsider, but I think that was to his benefit because he could come in and go, these are the things I think we need to change. So this was all just patching the first game, by the way. (laughs) As if it wasn't already an insurmountable task that they were doing. They were patching the original game. They're building a brand new game. In secret, they'd not announced that they were building a new game at this point. The Earthquake, the 9.0, I can't remember the name of it, but you know the huge earthquake that happened? Yeah, I know which one you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was the tsunami and, and obviously all of that devastation that happened. Um, and again, this is going to be a little bit more of Sasha's I heart Yoshi P. <laughs> he halted development. He didn't care. He halted development and he's quoted again as saying, before being a developer, um, they're human beings about his staff. People had lost family members. People, you know, had homes that had been hit by the disaster and, and families and things like that. The other thing that they did was they powered down the servers to help Japan with the power outages that were happening. 
and again, just want to stay. And this was not just Final Fantasy fourteen; they did it for the the eleven servers as well. Like, again, can you fucking imagine doing that now? Can you imagine a company like a huge company going, "Yeah, let's just power everything down to help"? No. <laughs> it just feels like in late stage capitalism now that these are just not things. Yeah. That would necessarily have been done, but that's what they did. It feels outlandish, even for I mean, what ten ten years ago, ten eleven years ago that they would do that as well. Like, that's actually, like, good guy corporation move, which you just don't see very often. No. And it came from a very... From a person who clearly really cares. He cares about his staff, and he cares about his players as well, because they got people right again. Um, so they eventually brought Final Fantasy fourteen back up. And honestly, when I was watching this documentary, like, it brings tears to your eyes, because they, they were talking about how the phone lines and stuff were down, right? And... Um, like networks for you know mobile phones and things there were people who were using it to communicate during that disaster like with friends and things they got letters like Yoshi P got letters from people just saying thank you I was able to talk to my friend at you know this part of Tokyo or whatever you just kind of can't imagine <laughs> that something like this could even have that sort of impact and yet it did because by this point it was starting to build its reputation back up a little bit and like you say it's it, it you can be cynical and feel like it's good guy corporation stuff for publicity or whatever but it also did come from a really real place as well oh yeah i wasn't that that phrase wasn't oh no i did suggest you, that yeah. you were no 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 i as in i, I get it because like you hear that and you go very cynically like mm, yeah it was good pr it just it's good pr I don't know, the way you, the way people, you see the people involved, especially talking about it, there's so much passion and compassion there that kind of really hits you. You're like, you know, they, they genuinely cared. They did push back the release date ever so slightly, even though at this point it hadn't been formally announced, but internally they did because they were like, no, this matters more. And it's just got a real sense of community internally as well as, you know, externally with the video game community itself. So... <laughs> Oh, another thing I just wanted to note on that, by the way, um, Leviathan is one of the bosses, another really famous Final Fantasy boss, who had actually been announced at the time, but because of the tsunami and Leviathan, I don't know if you know the boss, um, but he's essentially like a big water snake. Yeah, <laughs> not ideal. They replaced it because they just it just wasn't the right time. And that, again, it does feel PR-ish, but I think on something like this, where already they're under such massive deadlines, tight schedules... A crazy development approach in the first place anyway to then go yep no we'll just cut that and we'll put something else in in its place all just seems like madness to me like i say genuinely just blows my mind a little bit what they went through conscious i'm speaking a lot here <laughs> which is obviously kind of the point because i'm kind of ex talking to you guys about this but what are you thinking like can you imagine being part of that community part of the players the the players who were stuck around experiencing you know the servers are going out and then brought back up, you know, to help people communicate and things, and that things are starting to get a little bit better. But at this point, you still have no idea there's a new version of this game. Coming. I think I would have given up, uh, like, long before. If I if I was, you know, into my mother first and um, <laughs> was excited, because, you know, uh, if I was into all my Final Fantasy games as well, then uh, to have something that was so disastrous, I think, would have really put me off. And especially not knowing that a new game was coming. So, you know, you get maybe you hear that the current game in its state as it is, is going to be fixed or they're going to try and improve it. But I think I would have tapped out a long time. I mean, I played the Avengers uh, beta when that came out and that was enough to put me off it. But uh, yeah, I came back to No Man's Sky eventually because I didn't, 
have a lot of anger towards that game. Like, um, I bought it when it was released because, you know, all the promises and stuff like that and quickly realised that, oh, it's not the game that I, I thought it was going to be and I managed to get a refund on Steam for it and then eventually bought it on PlayStation again because I heard about all the improvements. But I think considering how much of a disaster this is, like it, and not knowing and this new game was coming, I, I just would have been done with it and uh, wouldn't have gone back to it. Yeah, same. Like, especially considering I've played other Momopagas, I <laughs> feel like I just would not have the patience for one that was subpar because there's been a lot of subpar ones. And if this one was anywhere near as bad as like the reviews seem to indicate, now nah, I'd, I'd have tapped out long before the patches even started. Yeah, and I guess they were kind of aware of that, which is why they left it as a free-to-play service. Um, they, they knew that it wasn't up to scratch. Yeah, so it was about a year after... So on October 14th in 2011, A Realm Reborn was finally announced, uh, which is the version you get now. That is the base game now, version 2. And it was in the summer of 2012? Yes, that um, the first trailer was released. They started from around the one year anniversary and people started to notice, and this is where I think that this starts to get really kind of exciting if you were still a player. And this was when the game started picking up new players again, just as a side note. Um, on the one year anniversary, there was a moon in the sky, Dalamud. It started out as what looked like this tiny star. And with each patch from around the one year anniversary, there was this one star in the sky that would burn brighter and brighter and brighter as the patches were going months going on. And after a while, current players started to realize that this star that then became clear that it was a moon is getting closer and closer to the world and you didn't necessarily know why or what you knew that a realm reborn was coming but no one necessarily really understood the implications of what that really meant you just kind of went oh it's an you know it's a like a big expansion or whatever is coming the <laughs> foreshadowing of what this moon getting closer and closer to the world actually meant. They It was on September 12th of 2012 that the final version 1 patch was released. Side note, one of my favourite things when you hear the developers and stuff talking about the, these final patches was how batshit crazy they got to be with their stories, <laughs> with their little side quests and stuff, because they were like, we knew it was going, so we could do whatever the fuck we wanted. They talk about some of the, they think some of the best story writing happened there and you'll never see it because it was gone. Um, I mean, some of it will get pulled into the games, but essentially like some of the stuff they built as part of the build up to Dalamud was insane and it'll never happen again in the game. And I just I can't imagine being part of that. And it sounds so exciting as it, whether you're part of the development team on that or whether you were part of the players, like some of the most batshit insane storytelling happening in the lead up to this this massive, massive event. So from I said, from September the 12th, 2012, the final 1.x, whatever version patch was put in. And as you were walking around, there was a sound playing. And I know I set this to you guys as homework, which is absolutely fine if you, if you didn't, because what I'm going to try- I did. I did it. I know you did. We know, Becky. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. What, is this the answers theme? <laughs> Is this the answers theme? Like the changed? Yes. Yes, I heard that. Yes. I did my homework there. <laughs> homework high five, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a version of answers, um, which is a theme that played, and we'll hopefully be able to get it played here. So that theme 
was playing really quietly whenever you were walking around in Eosia. And, and bear in mind, this is the last, this is now you're in end game of version one. Um, and players obviously start to notice. <laughs> All of a sudden there's this kind of really foreboding, creepy music. The moon Dalamud is fucking huge. They were kind of just spamming bad guys in places. There's something known as the Great Gubu Wall. And Gubu being <laughs> the great one, of the, what? one of the creatures in it. And um, <laughs> what they'd essentially was people would go to this area and like there's just layers upon layers of Gubu, <laughs> which are the like weird. Um, I like get made fun of for saying Marplica. People were now just starting to join the game. Um, they they'd done a load of stuff where they're like, if you join the game now, uh, when we release version two, you know your your character will automatically get transferred across. You know you'd also, you know, get that for free essentially, and any monthly fees were going to be reinstated, um, etc. So they they kind of started to build up to what this version two was going to be. And then on Sunday, November the 11th in 2012, and I think this is really important, that it was a real-time event happened. On that date, at a set time, didn't matter where you were in the world, they shut down all the servers and this video played. And this video was essentially the world being destroyed. Like the world that they had played on, these characters that you had become familiar with, just fucking ended. <laughs> <laughs> And that was it. The game was gone. It was gone until August 27th in 2013 when A Realm Reborn was released. And just once again, I know I've said it a few times, but can you imagine being part of that worldwide game-ending event that you had played, you had been in the battle, you had been in those end battles, and then the servers are turned off and this video plays, which is um, Bahamut, just ending the world. I just can't imagine that in a game anyway. <laughs> like, everything just being shut down. But the fact that it was a real-time event... I mean, it's metal as fuck. <laughs> like, if you're yeah. going to go, yeah. do it properly. I remember um, <clears throat> Fortnite did something kind of similar later on, where the, the entire universe just got sucked into a black hole and the game went offline while they rebuilt the universe. And, like, you saw, like, little kids, like, freaking out, thinking Fortnite had gone away forever. That's the only time I can think of... Because I did, I missed the whole Final Fantasy fourteen thing, but I remember seeing the Fortnite thing happening in front of my eyes, and I was like, "It's just a crazy kind of ballsy move to like terrify your audience." At least um, the Final Fantasy fourteen people knew there's something else coming. <laughs> These dumb thirteen-year-olds playing Fortnite did not realize the game was still coming back, which <laughs> made it extra fun for me. It just it hits in in such a specific way. And especially me now, obviously, because I've got to play it um, since version two. I think it's kind of incredible. You, you literally, you cannot, you can't even find emulators of version one just doesn't exist. Those servers were shut down. That code is gone. <laughs> version one, gone forever. Even though it was meant to be like absolute turd. There's that curiosity that goes, but just how yeah. bad was it? And I mean, I know they did a lot of fixing, but yeah, it's gone. Literally gone. So three years after its original release... Uh, a Realm Reborn was released. It was on P PC and PS3 at the time. In 2013, just as uh, just to add to, uh, Square Enix had suffered um, one of their worst fiscal years to date. Um, they'd lost 105... Uh, so it was 10 billion yen of a loss, uh, which equates to about... I think it was about $105 million, but that's still... That's, that's a drop. Obscene amounts of money for a company to, you know have lost 
Not just because of Final Fantasy fourteen being crap, when obviously they'd kind of predicted that they'd be getting those monthly subscription things, but like just generally Square Enix was in a real bad place. Um, it is no over-exaggeration to say that Final Fantasy fourteen online version 2 onwards saved the company in many ways. Which is insane considering I nearly tanked it. Yeah. Like for the same game to be responsible for both outcomes. <laughs> that, yeah. That is a redemption arc. Yeah. <laughs> If you saw that in like a 22 season, uh, 22 episode CW season, you'd be like, yeah, that's good shit. <laughs> oh man, I mean, if this was an American company, there'd definitely be like an American, not horror story, but what's the other one that they do? American Crime Story. Ah, uh, I guess it wouldn't even be it that would, one. There'd be a 10 Ryan se- Murphy would have jumped on it yeah, by now, there, is my point. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a 10 episode series starring Sarah Paulson in some hideous wig solving crimes or whatever. <laughs> So when it came out, it came out to, I mean, definitely, like, the review scores went from, like, 49 is the Metacritic score for the original for version one, which is bad. Um, And that was even at the end of its life, bearing in mind. So obviously (laughs) when it very first came out, it would have been even worse. Um, A Realm Reborn currently sits at um, 78 on PlayStation 3, 86 on PlayStation 4, and 83 on PC. That's really good. So it turned it the fuck around. And not to bang on about my boy, Yoshi P. <laughs> but there's... Uh... Just marry him, Sasha. Jesus. <sighs> oh, Becky, if I could. <laughs> he he goes on stage at the announcement of, you know, after the first day of A Realm Reborn, they did like a big conference thing. And I sort of alluded to, obviously, like in Japanese culture and stuff. And I mean, he talks about it openly. But you see him on stage and there's like this standing ovation and people are just amazed. First of all, amazed that he fucking did it. But then also, not just that he'd made a good game, but that people were really enjoying it. He cried on stage. Oh, and she pity. Like, I was going to say, like, a standing ovation in Japan is a big deal. They're very reserved, even when they're enthusiastic. It's a very respectful audience so to have a standing ovation insane really yeah and he talks about on his way to the office for that launch day someone recognized him a player recognized him on their version of the tube like said good luck and you know we're all rooting for you and it just it it just describes how it really hit him and as well this was his first final fantasy game that he'd got to you know direct and produce and uh, and develop and like you know, before that he'd done like Dragon Quest and some other stuff, but like as someone who'd loved Final Fantasy growing up and things, and he, he said just all these emotions just hit him in this moment where he stood on stage, and he just like it was just this super huge deal. But also, like you say about that sort of that reserved culture for him to be on stage in the first place, and for that emotion to hit him, and to express that on stage, it's just a beautiful thing to me. Genuinely, I just think that this game meant so much to so many people before we even get to you know um seven years eight years down the line which is where we're at now since then we've had three expansions the fourth one is coming on november 21st i believe it is of the yeah 23rd 23rd of november is when endwalker comes out just to give an example uh, an idea of how the writing has gotten better how the development has gotten better how everything about it is just improved and improved and improved and definitely goes some way to explaining how this has now become the most played mamorpaga <laughs> thank you <laughs> currently well heavensward has an 86 metacritic rating that's the that's the first expansion uh stormblood 
has an 89 uh, Metacritic rating. And Shadowbringers, which is the most recent, has a 91 Metacritic rating and is actually the highest rated Final Fantasy ever. It takes a lot to get that in the 90s on Metacritic, so that's really, that's almost unanimous praise. I cannot wait to play it, Andy. I am currently <laughs> on Stormblood. I'm on the second of the three existing expansions. And I can't wait to play. Each expansion is like a hundred odd hours of gaming on its own, even without side quests and shit. Like, it's such a big game and there's so much that you can do. And the fact that it's just getting better and better and it's improving. And yeah, like... I know that it wasn't for you guys and and I, I think we're kind of getting to the point now where we can maybe just touch on like start touching on that but obviously when Final Fantasy version 2 came in it's still in the fictional land of Eorzea so it's still the same place but it's five years after the events of the original 2010 release at the conclusion of uh, version 1 that was when the primal dragon Bahamut escapes from its lunar prison um, and initiates what's called the seventh umbral calamity which was the apocalyptic event everything after that is post calamity so i think the other thing they do a really good job of is making what came before it made sense and especially for the original players mm. of the game whilst it not taking too much like you didn't need to know that going in like i didn't know that going in and i still enjoyed it i do think that a realm reborn there is a lot a lot of elements of it that are kind of it's just fine and i have some very strong opinions on some of the npcs uh, <laughs> looking at you minfilia you fucking wet blanket um <laughs> jesus okay well, I, hate I hope her. they're not a listener I hate her with a passion that burns <laughs> so bright <laughs> do you want to dedicate the episode title to how much you hate her <laughs> <laughs> Minfilia is it's a wet that, blanket. Oh, how much you love Yoshi P, whichever you know, you can pick which which is the stronger feeling. But like you can you can almost forgive it a little bit when you start to learn a bit of the history of how that first that very first base game before they started adding the expansions before they started getting to the new you know I think we're on like version five now is you can kind of appreciate what they had to do in a really short space of time and the fact that they did achieve it and it is a highly playable game. And since they've introduced the additional expansions, they have taken quests out. They've slimmed down the Realm Reborn, so the original quests. They do that every single time. They slim down stuff when they realize, actually, do you know what? That's kind of not working. They add new classes. They add new new dungeons. They're adding new stuff all the time. Um, Like me playing it, I was like, yeah, walking around. Because again, you talk about travel and, you know, it's like, oh, it does get a bit tiresome having to walk around, but at least you have the etherites that you can hop in and out of the worlds um on and then i got my chocobo (laughs) that i could mount and get around on and i was like oh this is this is living this is the best (laughs) and then i got to the end of a realm reborn where your chocobo can fucking fly well let me tell you (laughs) life is real fucking good now and every time you get a new expansion you're not allowed to fly anymore you have to like open up the world and then you can fly it and i'm like no (laughs) i have to run around like a chump again (laughs) But there's just there's just something about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am so excited. I finished Heavensward and yeah, the, the storytelling, the quality of the storytelling takes a massive jump in Heavensward and towards the end of A Realm Reborn, to be fair, like those patches that take you from A Realm Reborn to Heavensward. You can just see how it became this critically acclaimed game. Now that I've waxed lyrical about it for like an hour... <laughs> 
I guess. I guess I'll open it to you to give you criticisms, whatever. <laughs> oh, you're so gracious, Sasha. Ah, <laughs> uh, just thinking back to the Final Fantasy nah, VII episode. Sure. Okay, here we go. Crack the knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel better, Chip, um, just on that, playing this, and I do think this plays into some of it, is about, I think I'm a very emotional person and an emotional gamer, and I think games have to be right for me at the time I'm playing them. And I think that massively impacts my experiences of them. This has come to me at a time when I've massively needed something that I could focus on um, and give me just the tiny hits of dopamine. <laughs> Absolutely. And it has convinced me enough that I want to revisit Final Fantasy VII. Ooh. I don't think I was in the right space for that at the time I was playing it because I found it quite choresome. And I genuinely believe that on a replay that I might feel differently. God. Damn it, Bash, now I can't be jokingly mean to you. I know, she really, she cut, she cut you off at the knees. God music. damn it. Well, I might as well just be quiet for the rest but of the go episode. On, Chip. You, go, you go in anyway. I appreciate I know the timing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let Chip go first, because he needs, he's, you know, even if he's, while he's still deflating. Oh yeah, the, ch- the floor is Chip's. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> essentially, the thing is, is that um, I couldn't give two hairy dicks about this game. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think the story of it and you know learning about the history which was brilliantly presented by you Bash um, was really interesting and uh, like just from someone who's interested in video games hearing about that process was really interesting but you know I put very little time into this game I should say and the, the time I did put into it I semi-enjoyed it I found the gameplay quite repetitive and dull which I will say was just because I only did the few first few levels so I didn't really get properly into it but the the little i did play it felt quite grindy to begin with as well i i didn't think it looked particularly good i had a really hard time when i was dropped into the world for the first time and there was just hundreds of players and all you could see was this text that was blurring over from the users names and stuff and i just had no idea where i was going and what i was doing i wasn't into the story i I couldn't even tell you what it was something about crystals maybe you are the warrior of life. Yeah, that's what I said. I <laughs> but in, in <laughs> and you're collecting crystals. Yeah. Like this is all personal stuff as well. Like in defense of the game, like I didn't give it a chance, like at all. I was distracted. Like I just got my PS5 uh, at the time, and I wanted to play all the like the brand new shiny like AAA games. Like oh my god, look how pretty it is. I've just started into a new relationship with a, a human being, so that's taken up a lot of time as well. I'm glad you specified human being. Well, just in case anyone was worried. Because um, we've been talking about sexy elves quite a lot. Not so. some tall neck you found. <laughs> tall I mean, the point is, is like there's just been like a million and one things. Um, like you said, Sasha, about being in the right time to play a game. Like I don't think this was the right game for me at this time. There were just other things I, I would much rather be doing. Which doesn't actually sound like a defense of the game. But what I mean is, is I, I didn't give, give it enough time to properly judge it. Like I think if right from the start, the four of us could have played it together i would have liked it a lot more because the four of us playing anything together is really fun uh, unless it's borderlands where i go a bit insane but uh, <laughs> i mean the bridge <laughs> don't the best time i had with this game is when sasha was teaching me how to play it uh, and then we just got angry uh, at people for stealing my kills and um, but we, the point was is we were hanging out and we were being silly and we were having fun and i think that's where i would have got the most from it so you know that's on me for not putting in the time but then what is it level 15 you have to get to before you can start playing together uh it's not just about being the level 15 you have to have got the main scenario like the main okay. story uh, main scenario to the 
that level 15 okay. quest um which to be fair doesn't actually take that long it felt long but... and maybe it's just indicative of how i feel about motherfuckers in general it's like i'm glad they exist i'm glad people and sasha they have such a love for them but it's not it's not just for me i think at least in a solo experience and you know i pretty much decided i didn't like the game and wouldn't care to play it pretty quickly. Uh, so I uninstalled it. And I think the only time I've ever thought about it since is when I had to prep for this podcast. But I'm a, I'm a little bit sad, though, yeah. that, you know, Final Fantasy VII is the only Final Fantasy game I seem to get on with. Like, I've tried 10, I've tried 14 and 15 and hardly got yeah. anywhere with any of them. But maybe it's because my love is, uh, hang on, stick with me on this one, it's a bit like uh, a Marco Reactor. And Final Fantasy VII is sucking all that up. And it's up to me, Cloud and Andy, Red13, to go and Neil. blow my heart up. I feel like I'm more of a Barrett. Well, <laughs> you're definitely white. more of a Barrett. <laughs> I just didn't want to uh, recast Barrett as a white man. That was all. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> for anyone listening I'm white <laughs> I don't know I don't know where I was really going with that metaphor I think I just wanted to talk about Final Fantasy 7 again <laughs> but I, I think the multiplayer aspect is a really good point because that's one of my notes like I would have played it far more if I could have played it with you guys from the start mm-hmm. yeah. because it's a very chaotic type of fighting style which is also quite rigid which would have been hilarious with the four of us and our general inability to get anything done together <laughs> when we're trying to <laughs> one of the things i would say about that i think that's some of that's got to be just down to us and scheduling and not playing it together for because, sure so i play it with my partner uh, there are elements of the, the main story that absolutely are solo instances that you have to do solo so we party up we start parties together but then we might disband them if we've got individual stuff but also between playing so what we do now is we save all of the main scenario um, either if it's a dungeon or if it's a raid or if it's a basically like the big boss fights basically anything that's like means you have to form a party with other people on the internet we save those now to do together so we'll always do those together some of the story stuff we might do bits of it together or we might do it separately but it's kind of it's it's actually like really exciting i think for both of us to be like have you got to this bit yet? Yes, you have. Okay, next time we're both online, we'll do that. And then we'll do some more story and stuff. And it's it's genuinely great. And I would say that doing the story, even that way, really fun doing it with other people that you can talk to. I am part of two different discords on it about it. So I'm part of an LGBT Europe data center discord. That's all, all about Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I'm also part of a, um, I joined a free company they're called, which is like an in-game thing. Um, I'm also part of that and I think finding community finding people to play with absolutely is a huge aspect of it mm. so I mean Andy I know there's someone the only one really who has like a lot of experience of playing other MMORPGs Mamorpagas uh, Mamorpagas yeah. I probably got stuck on that then <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll teach you how to say it properly don't worry yeah okay cool yeah. thanks Chip will help <laughs> yeah with me and Final Fantasy 14 like it's weird because I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm a good enough reviewer that I can I can recognise when something's working, even when even detached from my feelings on it. So, going into Final Fantasy fourteen, I felt the combat was pretty classic Mamorpaga style. Like it, it reminded me very much of how World of Warcraft played. So that was very easy to adjust to once I understood how to map the hotbar because hotbar mapping is a lot easier on PCs. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
but I didn't realize how essential that would be on a console. Like suddenly, like it, it was something that you really, really needed to work. But once I got that, that was fine. Combat wasn't an issue. The UI was a bit of a nightmare to start with, but I kind of settled into that. The storytelling dragged on a little bit for me mm. in some of the quests, but that's very much a difference between the East and West. Like East do like to take that. I, I mean, I play. I love Final Fantasy VII. I know a scene can take a long time to make a point. I love Hideo Kojima games. <laughs> I definitely know games can take a while to make a point. So that wasn't really an issue, but it that kind of got in the way of me playing, which was, I mean, a big part of why I play, I have ever played Memoir because is the grind. The core gameplay loop has to be, like, appealing, and it has to, like, keep rewarding me and wanting me to play more and more and more. And I did feel like the get core gameplay loop of Final Fantasy fourteen, it was there. It definitely was what the same kind of thing that World of Warcraft did. It was doing everything right, but there was just something keeping me at arm's length. I don't know what it was. It it feels very much like an intangible thing that just wasn't there for me. Hmm. Uh, the visual presentation, maybe, of the fights wasn't clicking, or maybe, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't into that world as much as I was with World of Warcraft, where I liked the, the kind of sense of humour of that world. I, I It's really hard to tell, but whatever was happening, when I was levelling up, I wasn't feeling that, like like spark in my brain like that addictive sort of impulse that kind of drives a lot of really the really driven Mamopaga players it just wasn't there it's this whole thing is very much like a criticism that's divorced from objectivity because like objectively I can recognize this is a very good game it's just my brain wasn't into it I just wasn't connecting with it yeah and that was fine I've got nothing bad to say about the game it just wasn't for me yeah I think that's pretty much where I'm at as well. Yep, Becky, I know you were the only one to get to the both massively and multiplayer yes. part of the game, <laughs> which is where you, you reach the end of sort of essentially the tutorial section yeah. where you start your first actual dungeons yeah. when you're playing with actual other players and the open world stuff where you you know you get to visit the other homelands. So Yeah, so I think doing the dungeons and working with other players in the team, that was really fun. I love doing that. Um, especially when three of you died and it was just me running around with very low HP trying to avoid a blob and screaming until you could get back in again. <laughs> but I think like the story didn't really capture me and I, whilst I'm content to take my time with some stories, I, I need to have some kind of hook. And the fact that the story wasn't really going anywhere for quite some time and I didn't really feel grabbed by the weird sort of crystally moments when they happened which it feels like you should be you you know you should be compelled along by the mystery of it but i i didn't mind it i didn't mind playing it i enjoyed playing it with you very much when i got to the the massively bit the the bigger maps i finally got a glimpse into what you meant about them being overwhelming because i think like i got to this the second new map that you get to and started wandering out and was just like, I cannot be bothered to walk any further than this. Like, this is just too much. I've spent so much time wandering around, like, the previous world and not really understanding the map or the directions and continually getting lost and not understanding where my objectives were. The prospect of heading into yet another map that I didn't know at all at this point, it was just too much. So that was pretty much the point where I, I put the controller down and went, nope, not for me. But yeah, a bit like Andy, like the game itself is fine. Uh, it plays 
kind of jankily on console, but I think it's just the console setup doesn't lend itself well for that kind of uh, interface where there are so many things going on. But yeah, I, I just... So what you probably wouldn't realise with that is when you set up on console, it autom- the settings automatically default to either 150 or 200% blown yeah. up. Again, because it's assuming you're sat like a minimum of six feet away from your big TV kind of thing. Yeah. But I found as well, like bits of the bits of the interface were really big, but other bits were really, really small. Mm-hmm. And I am short sighted. Mm-hmm. So even with my glasses on, I was sat there like squinting at the screen like I yeah, sure, I'll yeah, whatever that says, I will go with it. Dunno. <laughs> it's re- it's really interesting you mentioned that because so I play so my PS4, like the main PS4 that I use is set up on my desk. Um it's plugged into a monitor, not into a TV. And obviously, because I'm sat at a desk, I'm like less than a meter away from it. I'm playing like I'm playing on a computer, essentially, Mm. which is why I changed all of my HUD layout and my screen settings, because I was like, I don't need everything to be blown up. Why is it like that? It's awful. But I did also install it on the PlayStation that's plugged into the TV, like my sitting room TV. And I tried it once and uninstalled it. I was like, yeah, no, I can totally see if I'd have done it on this setup because I couldn't read a fucking thing. Yeah, like it's incomprehensible. So I, I totally get that that makes a huge difference. And it was a question I actually had for Andy, which was, do you think playing it on console impacted your experience of it a little bit just from that perspective? Well, I think a huge amount, to be honest. Because like, I dipped back into World of Warcraft when I got my new PC and like I just settled right into it really easily. I feel like very much the same way. Like having a mouse to be able to like, choose what I want, just click about rather than having to like tab sort of thing from thing to thing. It, it would really speed things up. I feel like that that was a big problem for me. Just, I don't think I like playing Momopagas on console. I was say with me, <laughs> I had exactly the same issue. I think I would have been way more into this game had I played it on PC. And that's what I should have done. I could have installed it on my PC. And I think just, I wasn't sure if there was cross-play. Like, I don't know if that's a thing. There is. Yeah. There is. Shit, I should have installed it on my PC. And then I might have been a bit more positive. <laughs> yes. Um, also, the um, the version on pc your demo version um goes further than so on the playstation you get 30 days free um and then after that you have to subscribe and subscription in the uk it's about for if you just want one account like one character it's about seven pounds a month it's not very much i mean still if you're not looking to subscribe to a game yeah it's still too much any money's (laughs) too much but you know what i mean but on pc the demo is um so you can play all of a realm reborn all of the in-between content um, between A Realm Reborn and Heavensward, and you can play Heavensward and all of the in-between content of Heavensward and Stormblood up to getting a character up to level 60, like, for free, which it's just, it's a really huge free demo. Like, you're getting across those two games, I've only just, at the point at which I'd finished those two games, I put 250 hours in. It's like 250 hours of game for free before you have to subscribe. I think I would have probably stuck with it a bit longer as well because I my 30 days was up as I hit the, the dungeons bit and I just didn't resubscribe because I knew I wasn't going to put as much time into it as it was worth. But for any of you, if you want to play PC with your current characters, you actually could use those characters. You still get that demo. You still get the online demo. It's literally just about getting a character up to level 60, yeah. which I think accounts for some of the popularity since they changed that. So it's one of the things that they believe that's contributed to its increasing success. I mean, I don't know if you guys experienced this when you were trying to sign up for the server that we were playing on, but 
they're so popular at the minute that the servers keep getting full. Yeah. yeah, I had to register at like seven in the morning. Yeah, absolute madness. That's how dedicated I was to my homework, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're going to get an A+. Plus. Thank you. <laughs> Donatello. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the US, um, for a couple of months earlier this year, they had stopped selling keys for it because they just couldn't, there just weren't enough servers for it. Uh, they've just they put a whole bunch of new servers in around July time. They've actually just put a load more in this month because obviously Endwalker is released next month, and they're predicting a massive uptick again. Because you know there'll be some people who will just sort of come back for the new content. They'll come back for when each patch releases to play. You know the next bit of the main story, and then they might drop. There's other people who want to level up all of the different classes um, that you can do. So I believe across us, so Chip, you were playing a healer, um, a healer class. Yes. <laughs> I'm really glad we didn't play together now, actually. We'd have all been dead. Becky, you were, you were playing a DPS. I was. I actually, my original character was DPS. Um, she, she still is, um, just I've also leveled up and now has overtaken with my healer because uh, it turns out I just really like playing an astrologian. It's incredibly technical and I love it so fucking much. Nerd. And yeah, <laughs> and Andy, you were playing a tank role. So there are yeah. three specific kind of roles for when you're going into dungeons. There's just, there's so much to explore in terms of that. I think that's obviously what keeps, some people keep going and we'll just keep leveling up all the different types of classes, like try a bit of everything. There's also crafting and gathering classes, which you can level up to the same level 80 as the current cap. I am level 69 nice. 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 of my Astrologian and on my Dragoon, uh, I'm like level 67 or something like that. So I'm not quite at the level caps, but I probably won't be too far off after another month of playing I was say, By the time this goes out, you'll be like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be like, yeah, I'm level 80 and now I've started a tank class because that is what I plan to do next. I'd like to be able to do all three roles. There's, there's all kinds of crazy shit that that happened like to just inventive stuff i think i don't know because i've never played mmos uh puggers <laughs> before so i don't know how typical it is but some of the early dungeon stuff so like you get your daily things and there's a daily roulette where you'll get like extra xp and extra you know in-game currency if you join a roulette and basically it's essentially like, you know, I could be put matched up into like uh, one of the level 15 dungeons or something. So when, with first time players, basically, but it basically ensures that they always will be getting players into early game stuff so that they can continue whilst rewarding people who've done it like seven times eight already, you know, to keep going back and playing them, which I also think is really quite clever in a way. Again, I don't know how common that actually was with them with Bumopagus, but <laughs> it just it seemed like a really good way of making sure people were going to keep coming back. Because I'm going to tell you now, the two end scenarios, the two main scenarios, um, you have to set aside 45 minutes for one of them because it's just cutscene city and you can't skip them. It's the worst five words in this game is this scene cannot be skipped. <laughs> oh, just wait until we do Death Stranding, guys. Just wait. <laughs> But yeah, it it's obviously not just captured my heart, it's captured many. So in terms of numbers, um, concurrent users right now, daily players, is around three and a half million per day. That's insane. Which Yeah, it's a good two million more than the competition. 
Yeah, which I was going to say, compared to World of Warcraft currently, which is still ranked the number one of all MMOs that are tracked by MMOpopulations.com, daily players on WoW is um, estimated to be about 1.11 million. So even though their total players is 116.76 million, so that is why it's still the number one MMO, (laughs) compared to Final Fantasy's 34.5 million total players. Uh, the daily players is just far exceeds it. That's what matters as well. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter how many players you got if they're not coming back. Yeah. It doesn't. Who cares? So that just gives an idea of where it actually... I just... I think of the story end-to-end, how it came to be. I do... I wish you guys had enjoyed it a little bit more. I would have loved to have played, done more dungeons with you guys and, and got to experience some of the actual story because... I And you've kind of... You've already acknowledged that anyway in yourselves is... I, I don't think you actually really got to any of the meat of the story and it's a shame that it just didn't pick up. I don't know what it was for me that it did um, because I won't lie, there's whole portions of the Realm Reborn stuff where I skipped it. Because <laughs> I, like... Like, as in I would skip cutscenes and stuff, it wasn't until near the end when I was getting near the end of it um, and, you know, it actually started to matter that I was just kind of pushing through it as such. Uh, there's uh, whole sections where it's just fetch quest after fetch quest and it gets really fucking annoying, but... Um, I don't know. Something just clicked for me. I'm glad you you have found it. Like genuinely, like not just because it's really satisfying to hear you talk about an open world in a positive way after months of having you not. Um, but like genuinely, it's always nice to hear someone talking about something that they love so enthusiastically. And it is like I said, it's an intangible thing. You can't quite put your finger on what why a game works for you. Mm. It just, sometimes it just happens and you can't explain it. But if it happens, you hold on to it because not every game is going to work like that. It's always a good thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've essentially just talked to you guys for over an hour (laughs) about this game. Loved it. You've you've got like output of my hyperfixation of the last six weeks. (laughs) And it's been fun. And I haven't even got to even some of my favorite things and also some of the dumbest things. Like there's a whole, I recommend anyone Google the Hildebrand side quests oh was this the guy you were sending videos to as yeah well? yeah the guy i was sending the videos of yeah with the, it was bizarre with the weird dancing and <laughs> the gilgamesh is part of that of those who are aware of gilgamesh he's obviously from other final fantasies in fact he seems to bring in a lot of um other final fantasy characters so so far across the hildebrand quest line i have seen gilgamesh um ultros the pervy octopus. <laughs> yep. Of course it's a pervy octopus. <laughs> yeah. They've just done an event with a Final Fantasy fifteen character. I did I did that. I saw a bunch of the Final Fantasy fifteen cars driving around. Yeah, there are. So, there so are. <laughs> I think it has earned its place, obviously. Without a doubt. And I th- I think so much of that does come from like Yoshi P as well. Whenever they announce the next expansions, he does the little announcement things in like cosplay or if <laughs> nah. not in cosplay in t-shirts that might hint at what new classes are going to be and things he just he gets really into it with the fans like he once at one point was like you know maybe after heavensward he was like he might work on something else and we're now on to Endwalkers coming out and he's still <laughs> working on like the fans absolutely adore him although i will say he is directing and producing final fantasy 16 he as is well. yes He's just become such a fan favorite, and I guess I would guess a Square Enix favorite as well, because obviously, <laughs> yeah, they pretty much be, yeah. owe their existence to him at this point. 
he he saved the company and he saved Final Fantasy for sure, without a doubt. Yeah, I can. I just I get it. I I I totally understand it not being for everybody. I do. I always thought they weren't for me, um, and especially on console. I think because I've just gotten used to using the controller now. Everything else about my setup is a PC setup, aside from that I use a controller. Although, like I said, I do also have a wireless keyboard, so I can still talk to people and things. It's given me something that I've really needed over the last six weeks or so something to focus on when everything else has felt a bit noisy and a bit much and I can't see that going away anytime soon it's also given me and my partner something to play together aside from like magic yeah well that's my favorite part of the game is that it's meant this much to you it's given you this much joy you love it this much and you know as much as I didn't get on with the game I'm really glad it exists for that reason yeah me too I did so I guess then we go into a recommendation from me. Yep. Final Fantasy XIV online. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> come play with me. I am on the Shiva data center, <laughs> Shiva server, European data center. Seriously, come play. Um, but no, uh, actually, my recommendation is it is a game though, which I know Ooh. is technically not. Well, it's how we've the been rules. Doing the Rex, what are you doing? But... It's a section. We can do what we like. <laughs> I'm recommending the mobile game Phrased Out. You can watch adverts to earn extra in-game coin, but you don't have to. It's essentially Hangman, but there's a story around it, like you're helping a little robot rebuild their their little memory things. Uh, the the categories will be like comics or games, board games. Uh, there's myth and, and fan- fantasy, law, geography, if that's your thing, definitely not mine. I will say that. <laughs> but you love big maps now. It's very much, it's 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 definitely like an idle mobile game, but you do do them in like little sections and levels and stuff. Yeah, the game is called Phrased Out. You might have even seen it advertised. There's no in-game purchases. Uh, like I say, you can watch ads to add additional things, but it is ad-free. Like the version of it, it's basically ad-free. I finished it. I finished the game. It does have like a, an end, but then you can just kind of just keep replaying it if you just fancy playing some Hangman, essentially, <laughs> which is weirdly fun. And obviously, it gives you clues and stuff. But yeah, it's just people of those that I just found as a little random pastime thing. And because it is by a great team who really give a shit about making games accessible and inclusive for everybody and the fact that video games should be about having fun or to know about, about that. you're not a real gamer if you don't <laughs> play on hard mode or that kind of bullshit like <laughs> it's really yeah I, i've just had a lot of fun with it and if more people play it that would be me passing on to even more people because i've already got two people playing it because <laughs> they've seen <laughs> me playing it so on socials then i am at bash at Demonhead on twitter and twitch Chip? Uh, you can find me at the Chip Thompson on Twitter and Chip Thompson something else on Twitch. I forget. It's been a while. <laughs> Chip Thompson's thumbs. Thumbs. Thank you. Yes. Thumbs. Because you use them to play games? <laughs> well, let's hope that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's your name. Wow. Andy? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at truly underscore defective. And I am not using Twitch. I'm Becky. Uh, I am Becky Gracely on Twitter and Instagram, and I am also not using Twitch. And we are at one up pod. That's one U P P odd with one D. With one D uh, on Instagram as well. On Twitter, on Instagram, and on your podcast listener of choice. And MySpace, not yet. Soon. <laughs> I would love it if we got Soon. MySpace. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening. Get a life, play video games. Mm-hmm.